Welcome to Perfecting Your Practice, where we believe in a 360-degree approach to your success as a healthcare professional. I'm your host, Chris Panabianco, Chief Marketing Officer at Bankers Healthcare Group. Today's episode, we're talking about creating change within our communities. I'm joined by Alex Martin. Uh, We had a great opportunity to interview John Tamino within My Father's Kitchen. Uh, Homelessness and community change and activism are something that's very big in Syracuse, where BHG has their financial headquarters. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts? I mean, you grew grew up here. Uh, You know, what do you see? Well, hey, thanks for uh, bringing me on today, Chris. It was really special to listen to the interview you did with John and also, you know, when you had John come in with the department and, you know, explain his story to us, uh, you know, being someone who's a native Syracuse, uh, um, Syracusean, Syracusean, sure. We'll go with that. Um, I, I do drive by, you know, people on the side of the road every day who don't have, uh, places to sleep. And it it does kind of hit you hard when you go by and you want to help, but you don't know how. I don't know how, and it's, you know, that's something that I've always struggled with is if there was something I knew that was going to do something good, I would absolutely do it, but you just never really know. And then John comes in and really just changed my perspective on things. And I was, I was not expecting to be as moved by his story, but it really was special. He's, he's a captivating individual. Danielle Gerhardt, our head of PR, who you guys have heard on the podcast before, she and I had the opportunity to meet John and his team, Kat, uh, and then the doctor that works with them. And they just immediately grab you with their passion. And you'll hear it in the interview. Uh, John... His restaurants I've been to as I grew up and, you know, John's a staple in our community. But what he's done is just really you can't not look at him and want to take play or take part. Um, He's created an avenue for BHG to extend our arms out into the community. And it's something that's created positive momentum for us as a corporation within our other locations as well. Fort Lauderdale, Davie County uh, or Davie, Florida, Broward County down in Florida and New York City, we're looking to do more for homelessness. It's something you can't get, you, you just can't get by. And with the holidays coming, you know, people tend, and you see it, I've been guilty of it, you tend to get more generous. And that's something you'll hear John talk about. Um, but I really, I, I think it's something, no matter where you are listening to this, no matter what profession you are, no matter what what kind of money you make, you can make a change. And that's John's whole message. Right. And I think, you know, even beyond just that, I think, the special thing that I took took away from the uh, talk you just did with John, something he mentioned that struck me was the connection that he made with food and how everyone, it's something that everyone can relate to is, you know, everyone loves food. And I think that's just really interesting how he used that to build his own kind of image and brand and kind of reach out, be, uh, you know, that kind of genuine connection with people. And again, even if, uh, you know, they helped 106 people get off the streets, but, you know, again, there's plenty of people that, that aren't going to get off the streets and you have to still help them somehow. So I really like that message. It kind of bled through because again, you can't help everyone the, you know, to the end of the result you want, but it's a, it's a special thing to see. Yeah. And he, he's a great person. So we hope you enjoy the interview and thank you for listening to perfecting your practice, the podcast. And welcome to the show, everyone. Today is a great day uh, with BHG. It's one of my favorite guests, someone I've gotten to know personally 
over the last few months. Uh, John Tomino within My Father's Kitchen. John, welcome. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here to talk with folks. Great. And, you know, we're approaching the holiday season. And one thing at BHG, it's afforded us the opportunity to give back to our community, uh, especially here in Syracuse. Uh, we've, we've had the opportunity to partner with a lot of different charities. And John was someone we met uh, a little under a year ago. And when we took the meeting with John, uh, we were just, you know, fact finding. And when he came in, it was something that immediately captivated our team was not only John's story, um, but the passion he has not only for people, but for Syracuse as a community. Having grown up here, I, I've seen Syracuse at its finest, and then we've seen a decline. And now we see it coming back uh, with new leadership uh, in, in in government here. Um, but really, people like you, John. So what I'd love to do is have you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, our listeners, and kind of give a background of, you know, in my father's kitchen and, you know, what yeah. makes you such a great guy? Yeah, well, I think that the main thing that I hear you saying is like a hometown story, right? So we're both hometown guys. And same thing, I was raised uh, in the Syracuse, New York, uh, born and raised here. I'm a first-generation American. My parents were immigrants to this country in 1964. I was born in 65, so the joke is I was made overseas and <laughs> born here. But uh, to me, watching Syracuse go through this whole thing as an industrial city, now it's leaving, now it's turning into a tech thing. Um, watching the ups and downs of the city and but also seeing the potential of the city and like you mentioned government now and engagement and companies like this company like your company here invested in the community and for me if I live in the community I own a home in the community I graduated from a high school in the city you know why not give back to your community I owned a restaurant uh, that I'm a chef by trade that I gave up in 2011 to do this so I left secular kind of like corporate America and to do this not-for-profit work with my wife and it's working with individuals who are suffering in our community. What would you say got you started? So you were a chef, you owned a restaurant, which by the way is still going yeah. and phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but what, what was the motivator? What, what made you? Yeah. So that for me, there's a spiritual component to my life. So I would say it's a, a step of faith. I'm a minister as well, licensed and ordained. And uh, it's just one day feeling like there's more to life than just making money uh, it's about giving back. And I think for me, my spiritual part of my life and the the natural talents of a chef kind of slammed together with this idea of in my father's kitchen, using food as the vehicle to go out to, to engage someone who's suffering and then to bring relief and hope to somebody. What was that first moment like when you said, I'm going to start making food and delivering it? And one of the things for our listeners that struck me was everyone John encounters, he calls his friend. Right, correct. Um, so what, what was it like when you said, I'm going to mix food yeah. and this and start that conversation? Yeah, so that's a like a big story to unpack, but I'm going to do it in one minute here. So basically, <laughs> we thought when we left the restaurant world, we thought we were going to be missionaries to Central America. And on our third journey back from that trip, after I already took a step out of the restaurant world, I felt like it wasn't it. We weren't supposed to go to Costa Rica. And I'm like, now what? I felt like I was just left hanging. And that's when I have this encounter with this guy at the bottom of the off-ramp over by here, by right by BHG off the Bear Street exit at Destiny USA. I live right here on the north side. I get off the exit and there's a guy standing there. And all of a sudden I quickly realize no one's looking at him. He's wide open there for all to see, but no one, it's that uncomfortable moment at the off-ramp. And I just felt like he was invisible and I, I see him and I felt like God sees him and I had to do something. So I went and I got some stuff together and I went back 20 months later to feed him. 
And uh, I tell him he's not invisible. I introduced myself to him. It was about building relationships with folks. And when I told him he wasn't invisible, that's when he, all of a sudden he just unloaded like 20 minutes. In 20 minutes, his life story of his homelessness and his addiction and the trauma he was through as a young person. And when I left that encounter is when I realized this is what we're supposed to do. My wife and I were supposed to find these individuals, tell them they're not invisible, feed them, and then help them get out of their situation. It's amazing. And for everyone, I, I had the opportunity when we signed on with John, one of the requests I had was to go with him. Uh, so he's going two days a week, Monday and Wednesday, throughout the community delivering food. And it, it's no understatement what John just said, or what you just said, is that people just want to be heard and they want to feel like they matter. And I was struck by, I'm still waiting for my t-shirt, but the, you are not invisible <laughs> right. tagline. It, it's amazing. Talk to me about how you, you know, what goes into that? Yeah. So to me, it's just like, I think all of us at one point in life felt like we haven't been seen or heard. Right. And to me, it's like when someone's in the middle of full blown addiction and brokenness, but they're like, we hide our stuff and their stuff is wide open for all of us to see it but yet no one's looking, right? Because it's an uncomfortable scenario. And I think that you're not invisible thing is that uh, when I say those words to someone, they just kind of like, it's almost like relief, like someone sees me, like someone kind of at least wants to talk to me, right? And it, that's what starts this whole thing with Leanne and I, what we're doing within my father's kitchen is that it's about this relationship that happens where they start to trust you because you're going consistently with real empathy and sympathy towards them. And they buy into that relationship. It's like anything. We all have relationships and some relationships are closer than others because of the investment that we make into those relationships. We have best friends and then we have acquaintances, right? What's the difference? It's a deeper relationship. And that's my philosophy, right? And, but then also the fact that I'm a kind of like a business minded person, it's using customer service skills out to someone who's suffering. You know, if you're, you're listening to this airway, this podcast that, you know, you're in some kind of business form and it's about engaging your customer base, making sure that they stay with you, that they feel connected. And that's what we're doing, but it's on a real life level. I've seen and personally seen where people open up to you where there are services that government provides yeah. that they're not willing to do it. And I, I witnessed a few people say, no, I trust John. Right. I don't trust anybody else. And your team has gone and actually gotten people either the help they need or you've gotten them off the streets. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And also there's an amazing number uh, of people you've helped yeah. and talk to me about your success. Yeah. Rate. So it's, it's value and dignity, right. And suffering. So someone's suffering, and it's about bringing value and dignity. So the lunches that we're bringing, they're ratcheted up lunches. So it's restaurant quality stuff. So stuff that people were buying for me that could be 17, 18, $20 a dish in the restaurant, I'm bringing it out to someone who's broken. So there's value coming to you in the middle of your brokenness. But it's also like adding now we have an employee, Cad, who's on board with us now, and she just goes 100 miles an hour and above and beyond the call of duty to bring services and love and compassion. We call it no strings approach. So that we're coming to you and we're going to do these things with no strings. We're not expecting you to do anything, even though I want something to happen. It, it's based on what you want and how fast you want that to happen. We just want to be there when you finally say, I surrender and I can't do it anymore. And now since we've been doing this in 2011, till we, where we are today, uh, yesterday was our 106th person that got off the streets of Syracuse that was home. That's amazing. 
It's yeah, amazing. it's a it's an awesome number. But you know the amazing thing is now that you're you know it's 106 and now we're shooting for 107, but it happens one at a time, one at a time. It's about value. It's about quality, not quantity. I'm glad for the 106, but it started with one, two, five, ten. Now we're up to 106, but it's one at a time. Now we're looking for 107. Yeah. Do you stay in touch with the 106? As much as they allow us to, and we engage them throughout the community. Uh, those that are housed, we go visit them. We're committed to being connected to them six months, even once they get engaged into a housing program, because we're they're friends, right? So if they need us, they call us. They have my cell number. They have Kat's cell number. So we'll get calls after hours. And sometimes it's just someone having a meltdown or someone will stop into our building, just want to say hi, or they might need some things. So we'll give it to them if we can. One of the challenges, as anyone listening knows, I've mentioned we're in Syracuse, New York, and it's the middle of December yeah. and it's cold. This isn't the South. It's not Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's <laughs> Syberacuse. Right. What what challenges are you facing with the weather and how, how desperate is yeah. it? So the, the awesome thing about the weather is that the cold is our ally. So these are, we're dealing with folks who won't go to shelter, but when it gets to this time of the year, it kind of separates, we'll use that term men from the boys or girls from the women, because all of a sudden someone who says, oh, I'm going to ride it out realizes they can't ride it out. So it drives them to go to shelter, which is an awesome thing. But then there's a remnant of folks out there who just want to keep riding out, like not too far from where we're doing, where we're doing this podcast. There's another young guy living in a tent, not too far from like, we could walk there from here. And we go visit every week and we make sure that he's safe because he's saying he's going to ride it out. So it, the, the, the challenge is the fact that people could die because of being frozen to death. Or like last year, we had a guy have to have toes amputated because he got frostbite from just walking in wet shoes in the cold. But then the positive side is that it does help us become a motivating factor for people to make a decision for their betterment. We I want to switch gears a little bit. One of the initiatives that we originally came up with together, you 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 reached out to us and it's not just bringing food or bringing help. There's another side of help yeah. that needs to be that needs to be provided to these folks. And it was house calls for the homeless. Can yeah. you tell our audience about that? Yeah. So Dr. Lehman from Upstate uh, created this program called House Calls for the Homeless. And we were going to these medical meetings uh, together and talking about like they wanted to build out this program that would go to the streets. And I'm not a guy who just wants to go to a meeting to go to another meeting to keep having these meetings. I'm like a guy who wants to just implement, just let's do it and let's see what happens. So after like maybe six meetings, I lean over to him after one of the meetings and say, hey, doc, I go, I go out twice a week. You want to come out? And then he said yes. And then he started coming out with us late May and early June, and he's been doing it ever since. And it's bringing out a physician to the street. So I'm bringing out the food and the clothing, the connections, but now we're bringing out a doctor to go to them. So they won't go to the facilities, whether it's transportation, their addiction, embarrassment or whatever. We So we're going to bring the doctor to you. So Dr. Lehman goes out and he does basic triage. He calls it bread and butter medicine. And if someone needed something really severe, then we would get them connected to like the hospital. But he's uh, becoming their PCP. He's prescribing their medications. We end up picking up the scripts as in my father's kitchen. I'm becoming this delivery service of their medication to them. And then he follows up on them. Like our friend that we got in yesterday, had high blood pressure doc prescribed him his medication and then every week doc was checking his pressure to make sure he's taking his medication asking him if there's any complications what else do you need so that's what we're doing with house calls to the homeless but the great thing that's happened because doc has brought now awareness in the community into the medical field and you guys ponying up and 
bringing the resources to help us do what we're doing by that real great benevolent gift brought like a light to a situation where all of a sudden it created a buzz in our community. Now our FQHC, the Syracuse Community Health Center, is on board. They were missing an action. And they're usually the organization that brings in federal dollars to do like implement kind of these other things that happen in our community. And now we've been having these secondary meetings where there's like this bigger thing that's starting to happen now. That bigger thing being, do you see this, someone being able to take your model and your idea and put it into Buffalo, New York, Boston, Massachusetts, New York City? I think here what's, what's happening is like, I became the vehicle for the house costs of the homeless. So I'm not doing, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not doing house costs. I just created a platform for them to get out there. I'm kind of stepping back and being, go, I still go to these meetings to make sure that the voice of the homeless and the need of the homeless is being met. Cause you could create something, not thinking about the person that really you need to service. Mm-hmm. You think it's a great idea, but you don't see that, Hey, it's not going to work. Yeah. So I'm in these meetings setting these things up, but they're trying to create now this, this, uh, medical team that would go like having clinics in within the shelter you know what i mean having maybe a mobile triage van that goes out that's tricked out for specifically medical things and then federal dollars will come through the fqhc here so they're looking i think there's like an opportunity to get 1.5 million dollars that come in to build out this new program that's great news uh one of the other this actually was a national story uh with dunkin donuts here in syracuse and immediately when we heard uh I'll give you a quick recap. One of the Dunkin' Donuts employees had thrown water on uh, a homeless person who was sitting in, in the restaurant, and it immediately sparked national news, national world coverage, news. world yeah. news. Yeah. And you know, one of the one of the constants that I saw within that story was you being at the forefront yeah. uh, as a voice for the homeless and being involved in community. I understand that the Dunkin' Donuts CEO came to Syracuse. Yeah. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, so that's, so here you go. So two, uh, so this franchisee, the Wallet Group, who owns, they have 102 stores throughout three states and they have 70 here in New York State and they have a bunch here in Central New York. We're affected by an employee's bad decision, right? <clears throat> but this group of folks were already benevolent into the community, but they were always like underground hidden. They weren't like promoting their benevolence. So when I met with uh, um, the the stakeholder here, Tom, the franchisee who lives in town, he's one of the partners, and I got to talk with him and he found out that I was a previous business owner. We resonated on that kind of realm. So I first said to him, I'm sorry that this is happening to your company and to you. And uh, what, can, what can I do to help you? And we started to brainstorm in regards to ideas of what could happen. First of all, the young man who was in there was already known to us, but we hadn't seen him in a while. He was off the grid and that brought him back on the grid. Uh, since then, like, I'm going to give you a little bit of a story there. There was a, a GoFundMe thing that raised $23,000 for this kid who has mental health issues and on SSI. And he could have lost that SSI if that money would have came to him. So we and my father's kitchen set up a trust fund for him. So it's in his name. We're the trustee of it. So we're connected to this kid until that money is exhausted to do the things that he could do to help him with whatever he needs. But on the Dunkin' Donuts side, they they did staff development. They brought us in to speak to their staff. I spoke to 30 key uh, like middle managers and managers that represented 1300 employees to talk about do's and don'ts and what you could do as a corporation to have a lot of these folks coming in their places but uh it also brought an opportunity to do a forum at the palace theater where the mayor and the county executive was there and it was you know i'm homeless where do i go and what, what do i do and and we kind of shone a light on the fact of uh 
you know, there's a lot of things that we can do as a community to come together on behalf of that person who's broken. But all these negative things that happen, I like to turn them around. Hey, beauty comes from ashes, right? So something could be torched up, but then something beautiful could come out of it if we look at it that way. And that's kind of been my mantra, the I'm the glass half full guy. You know what I mean? If something bad's going to happen, which happens to all of us, how do we turn this thing around? Yeah, and that's something you can see immediately. And, you know, the whole community came together. Yeah. It was a sellout crowd. Yeah, it was like 400 people showed up at the Palace yeah. Theater. And we did Q&A, and people brought out hard questions. I asked for that. One of the main, uh, this one guy comes up to the microphone and says, other than money, he asked the panelists, which we had five panelists up there, what would you say that we would need in Central New York other than we needing money to come in here? And they said, th there was an easy question. Our coordinator of our coalition said, low income housing, decent, good housing. So you, we talked about Syracuse being built up. It's also being somewhat gentrified in regards to the city, right? So you're pushing the poor away. Where are they going? They're living in these places that are like horrific. Yeah. And with our homeless friends, there's no income coming in and the money that they do have for budgets are like they could afford a one bedroom, but it's got to be like 360 bucks where you're going to find something like that. That's decent. Right. So for me, I kind of put out the plea now, can there be a developer out there who'll develop properties and maybe they don't have to make a million dollar profit Can they make 500,000 and still make some money, but then also do something good for the community. So I got this other thing rolling in my head now. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. One of the things with the holidays that we focus on, I know as a company, we've in past years, uh, you see a lot of companies that around the holidays, they'll do clothing drives. They'll do extra charity as budgets are still available. Um, at BHG, we've changed that. So it's a year long yeah. process and obviously working with you and a few other companies. But if I own a small company or if I'm a healthcare practitioner listening and I have a practice, or if I don't even own a business, mm -hmm. what are some of the things around the holidays that you can do uh, for the homeless in your community? Yeah, so a couple things came to my mind immediately. One of the things that I appreciated when I first met you on BHG, you said that this wasn't a one-off, right? That that immediately stuck with me. So like you're saying, hey, we want to have a relationship with you. Uh, the other thing is everyone's benevolent from November to December because it's those two months where it's Thanksgiving yeah. and Christmas. Well, I'm like, Thanksgiving's every day, right? Poverty doesn't end on January 1st. It keeps yeah. going all the way through next Thanksgiving. So with us, we try to inspire by doing storytelling, right? By showing, using social media as a vehicle to show stories of crazy things that like you, when you went out, you've seen some things I'm sure you won't forget that you've seen, right? So a lot of the community doesn't know about that. I think if you show that stuff, it has to strike a chord in someone's heart to want to get engaged. So what do you do? For example, this gentleman that we just helped in, number 106, a dentist got a hold of me because I was on the radio uh, yesterday and he heard me on 570 WSYR. And he said, hey, listen, I'm a dentist. I have an office here in Liverpool. If that man needs any dental work, I want to do it pro bono, whatever. It doesn't matter if he has insurance, whatever. I want to take care of his teeth. So to me, like I've learned through the medical thing now is dental care affects your physical health as well. So if you don't take care of your teeth, it could create other ailments in your your body. And a lot of our guys and women outside have bad teeth, right? So now we have a dentist that's stepping up. So it's him giving his talent. It's not, yeah, money, I guess, that he could have got from servicing someone. He's willing to give that profit up, but he's giving himself by going in someone's mouth and doing some work for someone. So I would say to people who might be listening to this, if you're someone that's listening and you're run a business, 
just think about some creative out of the box ways that you can engage in your local community, wherever you're listening, you know, what can you do? Like you guys gave me your staff to help me with a marketing thing for a, a brochure. That's again, using talent within your organization to help a, a not-for-profit do something, right? right? To bring awareness. So out of the box thinking, look around your community. I say, if you don't open your eyes, you're not gonna see anything. It's not opening up your physical eyes in your head, it's the eyes of your heart need to open up and if you do that then wow watch what happens that's amazing and people i think people look at it the wrong way sometimes that it has to be a financial donation yeah. and uh you know there are other ways one last way and my family has become a big supporter uh and it's through food yeah uh john tell me a little bit about your pasta sauce yeah so me being an entrepreneur in my mind now running a not-for-profit it's like i always thought of why do i you know i always have to do public speaking i have to do fundraising events it's always about drumming up money and it's a real humbling experience when you used to sell something to make something now it's you're selling you're pitching your yourself and your organization and it's humbling right to ask folks for money but people buy into the mission so i thought of why can't i use the marketplace again to bring awareness and revenue and it was my grandma's recipe a sauce recipe that i was using at the restaurant that we ran and i said you know what i i want to jar this and then sell it and then i had a, a retired master chief who's we call our supporter sous chefs met with me and said i want to fund this project i want to help you bring your dream into a reality and he did that. And now it's in Wegmans through Central New York, and it's in through five or six different specialty shops as well. And it brings in money and awareness, but it's eating with a purpose. So the family gets to eat, you fill your belly, but with a greater purpose in mind. So it's a win-win all the way around. There's a lot of people that don't live in Central New yeah. York. If I want that, if I'm listening in Albuquerque, New Mexico, yeah. how do I get this sauce? Yeah, so we have a website in myfatherskitchen.org. There's a taste and see tab that'll bring you to all the storefronts that carry it. And then two of them will ship it to you. If you really want it, you could get it shipped to you. And personally speaking, my entire family loves it, whether using um, pizza or sauce, yeah. my my. My small children, they don't eat anything but pasta. So yeah. you're a big hit in our house. Well, thank you. Um, and, you know, I can't thank you enough, John. I know you're busy and I know there's a lot to do. You've got crazy ideas to get out there and really change the face of how people are uh, addressing homelessness, educating, being a friend. Um, you know, I, it's changed my life personally. Uh, the day that I met you to the day that I went in your truck with you and Kat to deliver meals, it's something that every single day has not left my mind because I drive through it. Right. As you said, it's all around us. Yeah. Um, so I can't thank you enough personally um, for what you're doing to make a better, a positive impact on Syracuse. Hopefully your words carry beyond Syracuse yeah. and people listening. Um, what's an easy way besides the website? Do you have an email or anything? Any yeah, it's in my father's kitchen at gmail.com. Um, there's, we have social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They can get through us that way as well. And obviously the website, I mean, I'll even give out my number. It's 315-529-3640. So now you have it just like all my homeless <laughs> friends. Again, I, I can't thank you enough, John. I follow you guys on Instagram and on uh, Facebook. I'm tagged a lot in yeah. those. And just to see the stories and the work you're doing, it, it, it's amazing. And, um, you know, I hope that we can get your, your voice out there and really continue on our partnership throughout yeah. the years. And like I always say, you know, we're your hands extended in Central New York, but together we're building hope and changing lives. Awesome. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, uh, visit inmyfatherskitchen.org for more information about John. Pick up a, a can of sauce or a jar of sauce and give it to some family members. It's amazing. Everyone have a great day. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks for listening. 
you have any thoughts, comments, or opinions, please shoot me an email at podcast at bhg-inc.com. I'd love to hear from you.